There's a lot going on in today's reading from John's Gospel. This passage is filled with images that are both familiar and odd, and it takes a, a lot to take in. One of the early church fathers, Augustine of Hippo, chose an eagle to represent John and his gospel. He did that because he felt that the theology of John's gospel soared high above the other three gospels. So high at times that it can be hard for many of us to follow. And so amid the imagery of water and spirit and the serpent being lifted up in the wilderness and all the rest, I think our attention is drawn first to verse 3. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Now some of us have heard this passage in a different translation and it says, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. For many Christians, this verse emphasizes the importance of personally accepting Jesus into one's heart. So the language of being born again is pretty recognizable. And, and secondly, and this is another big touch point as well, verse 16 of John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that anyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Right here we, in this verse, we have the gospel in a nutshell. This verse signals God's profound love for us and indicating the depths of which God would go to to convey that love. For many of us, we coddle these verses. We hold them close to our hearts. They provide security and eternal comfort, and so they should. Being born again and the robust proclamation of the expansive and surprising love of God in both of these verses invites such well-being to our souls and to our spirits. But what about verse 17? The verse that comes straight after the world's most famous Bible verse. Reading just one more verse this morning offers a larger context and indeed elaborates on the motive of God's sending of his son. Just so we're not confused, this verse explains and explodes to, for us that God's sending of his son out of love, which of course is where verse 16 begins. And in verse 17, we hear the clear explanation. We hear the clear affirmation. And indeed, the clear echo that the Son was not sent to condemn, but to save. So let's have a look at those two verses together and refresh our hearts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So it's not about who's in, it's not about who's out. It's not about us versus them, but rather it's about God's unfailing intent to love. It's about God's unfailing intent to save and bless the whole world. Along these lines, we need to understand that the Greek word for world is cosmos, referring to the inhabitants of the earth, the human family. It refers to world affairs and the sum of all earthly things. However, cosmos, as used throughout the rest of John's Gospel, refers to people that are hostile to God. Now, for instance, John 15, 18 to 20, 
there's the phrase in there that says, if the world hates you. That's, that word is cosmos. John 16, 8 to 10, it says when he comes, he, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16, 20 says, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, while the cosmos rejoices. John 16.33, in this world, in this cosmos, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. John 17.9-16 says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours. And so the way in which John uses the Greek word cosmos in his gospel is negative. He uses it to refer to the ungodly multitude. He uses it to refer to the whole mass of humanity that's alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ, which means that we might actually translate these verses for God so loved the God-hating world that he gave his only son. And God did not send the son into the world to condemn even this world that despises God, but instead so that the world that rejects God might still be saved through him. And so here's the big takeaway this morning, my friends. God's love is just that audacious. God's love is just that unexpected. Which is why, according to the Apostle Paul, the message of the cross is both scandalous and a little crazy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since... In the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jew and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And that audacious, unexpected, even crazy character of God's love is probably why it saves. It's probably why it saves. This most expansive, this more expansive sense of God's saving love might come across as a, a, a particularly timely and even poignant um, message as we move through this Lenten season. So if God's love is for all, then we who have experienced that love in Christ are called to see this world, this cosmos. We are called to see people of other faiths. We are called to see people of no faith through the lens of that profound and surprising love. In this week's passage, we find a bold declaration that God loves us and that God loves the whole world. And in that affirmation, we also find a calling to extend that love to everyone we encounter. Firstly, by God's powerful Spirit, who will blow us places we've never imagined. And secondly, 
God loves this whole world extravagantly. And so he has promised that whatever may come, we have God's promise of redemption in and through accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. There can be and will be no better way to witness our faith and invite others to our fellowship than those two powerful truths this morning. So please pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, invisible like the wind, we do not see you move amongst us, but the effects we see come into our hearts that we may be renewed and reborn. Open our minds that we may perceive your kingdom. Lift our eyes to where the cross of Christ stands for our healing so that we may believe and in believing not die but have eternal life through him who in your love for us you sent to the world, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.